if we don't master our desires by the power of the Holy Spirit, hear that clearly, we'll become slaves and servants to our desires. Welcome to This Day in the Word with Pastor John Couch, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. It is a joy to have you listening today, and we pray that you will be encouraged, challenged, and motivated to live for God like never before. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor John Couch. Father, we come before you and another day to choose you over self, another day to worship you, another day just to glory in your presence. God, we treasure who you are. All over this room today, we're here to simply receive from you. Not from a human man, but from you, God. I pray that everyone here today that is gathered has come to simply bask in your presence, to feast on your word, to grow in sanctification, to partner with others in fellowship of the gospel of God. Lord, we know the enemy is not happy, and so we simply ask God that you would take all of his schemes, bring them to nothing in our lives. We pray that any challenges we're dealing with today, any heartache, any hurt, scars from the past, indwelling sin, God, we pray You'd stir in this time that, Holy Spirit, we pray You'd get in there into my heart and each heart here that's gathered and each heart that's watching online, Father, we pray that You would stir in power. God, we don't want to be professing believers that are casual towards the gospel. Don't allow us to be casual, God. Don't allow our hearts to become hardened. But, oh, Father, I pray even right now that you will soften my heart, that you will soften every one of our hearts, God. Just tender, pliable hearts that simply plead the blood of Jesus Christ and that want to live every day on mission for the mission. Oh, God, I pray, Holy Spirit, would you move in this time Move in power in this place, O God. May we leave here today not checking off a box, but I pray we leave here today just knowing that You've spoke to our hearts. And as we begin for the battle for this week, our hearts are now stirred and refreshed and encouraged and challenged to face the day, because we know this, that our Redeemer lives. We know that God, through Jesus Christ, that you hold our today and you hold our tomorrow, and there is nothing to fear other than we want to be obedient to you. And as the kids sang, and what a testimony that was, that all we want to do is please you, God. Help us to learn from these children what it means to please you. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. And take your Bible, and we are back in the book of Second Peter after a couple weeks off to celebrate Easter Resurrection Sunday. And here we are in Second Peter. We're going through the second part of what it looks like to supplement our faith. And as you're turning there to 2 Peter 1 verse, verse 6, the, the thought always stirs in my mind every springtime as we celebrate Easter Resurrection Sunday is, what will we do now? You know, so often it's a Sunday of celebration, and it should be, and it's kind of the, the crescendo, and it's exciting, and then the next Sunday comes, and 
Well, what do we do now? You know, one of my deep, deep burdens of my heart is don't let up. Don't let up in your faith. Don't be one of those that it's just too easy to go back to business as usual and because God hasn't struck me with a lightning bolt, He must be okay with lukewarmness and all that goes on and the apathy and indifference that the, that the world cheerleads and the world says go and it's about you, John, and it's about your plan, John, and, and your schedule. And oh, I pray that we continue at Enon Baptist Church to become a people that we just simply say, God, here, you take my life and, and you use it for your glory. Like, like it's, I'm in for you, God, and because of what you did as we celebrated last week, that, that you gave your only begotten Son, that whosoever whosoever believes in Him, whosoever by faith in Him, it's justification by the grace alone, by faith alone, that you give your life to Christ, and as you give your life to Him, you become this new man, you become this new woman, this new creature in Christ. Your life is no longer the same. He comes in and rocks your world. He turns your world upside down. The things that you now desire are not the things that you used to desire. You now crave pursuing His glory. You now crave pursuing His holiness. You now want to supplement your faith. And then I was reminded through that thought... that none of us, me at the top of the list, will ever become all that God has called me and you to be by accident. We'll never stumble into revival. We'll never stumble into awakening. We'll never stumble into a revolution. We'll never stumble into a reformation. You just don't stumble into this stuff. That's why I want to ask us this morning, as you open your Bible, as you have your notes ready, pen in hand, don't fall into the temptation to look at Scripture and ask, what does it mean to me? Look at Scripture and simply ask, what does the Bible say? Like, what does the Bible say? Not, what does it mean to me? That's the new buzz phrase, if you haven't picked up on this in our culture. Hey, have some Scripture, but just decipher it based on what it means to you. No, what does it say? Well, what does the Bible say? J.C. Ryle said it so well. He said it takes the whole Bible to make a whole Christian. As we think through that here this morning, I want us to look at 2 Peter chapter 1. And I'm going to read verse 5 to give us context. It's been a couple weeks. And then we'll jump into one verse, verse 6. So here's 2 Peter 1 verse 5. Bible open, heart open, mind open. Here's what it says. ESV translation. For this reason... That's the purpose, so go back for just a moment. That's the purpose. There's a reason here. What's the reason? Well, in 3 and 4, verses 3 and 4, God has given us all things that pertain to life. His promises are great and they're precious. You see that in your Bible. Now back to verse 5, make every effort. What do you mean? i got to do something? Yes. Be diligent, it means. Make haste, strive, and labor earnestly from your salvation, not for it. Be intentional, urgent, to do something. What? To supplement, to supply, to nourish your faith. You must feed your faith with what? Virtue, it says here. And virtue, that excellence with knowledge, the truth of God's Word, correctly understood and correctly applied. This knowledge is an intimate knowledge of Christ. We studied that. Not surface level, but mourning over our sin and godly sorrow that leads to repentance. Now, what does verse 6 say? Well, here it is today. 
and knowledge with what church? Self-control. And self-control with what church? Steadfastness. And steadfastness with what church? Godliness. So in today's teaching, we have three elements that we're adding, we're supplementing our faith. We're, again, it's not taking place of our faith. It's part of sanctification. I don't know if we understand this, but let me try to unpack this as best I can. So we have two terms as we're learning deeply in God's Word. I can get up here and I can yell and I can motivate and, and I can scream. We can all leave here today going, well, that was amazing. But, but if you're not internalizing truth, if you're not growing in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord, you're going to remain at best a baby Christian for the rest of your life. But why would you want to remain a baby Christian in something that has changed your life that you can now grow in and become someone who is on fire for the gospel, someone who has a mission in mind that you have a purpose? So many people today are living life not on purpose. Well, if I could just get through the day. Living for the weekend, right? Man, I got Monday through Friday, but woo, come five o'clock, I hit the clock, I'm out of there, and I got two days to partay. And then the Monday morning blues hit, and people wonder, that they, they scratch their head and they go, well, why do I have such discontentment in my life? Why am I struggling? What, what is it that there's a void there? And, and I don't understand it, but, but you know, I'm pursuing these things that I, that I think are going to please me, that I think are going to fulfill me, that I think are going to give me purpose, and yet I'm constantly chasing, and I'm chasing, and I'm chasing. And if the Bible is very clear that, that the more doctrine that you pour into your life as a true believer, the more it will build up in the faith, the more that you'll begin to grow in the faith. And there's so many people I know all over the country from years of ministry and travels. Is, I just don't want that. You know, here we hear very clearly in this verse, as we continue to supplement our faith, there's three keys. There's three elements here. Look at them in your Bible. Let's read it one more time. We'll call it 6A. And with knowledge, there is this thing called self-control. So, so you've got to remember this. So in this study... As you're taking your notes and as you're writing these things down and you're asking the Holy Spirit, as you write these things down, Holy Spirit, what is it you want to speak to me right now? Like, what is it that I need to learn? What is I need to, to understand so that I can be a Christian that is growing in sanctification, those two terms? Because I've been justified. See, it's about justification, declared righteous, and when you're declared righteous and you understand that, when you understand, as we celebrated last week, what you've been brought from, and you really understand it and you embrace it, it's just not, hey, that was great. It was just not, man, I love chocolate. It was just not, man, the, the bunny is amazing. It's none of that stuff and the eggs, but it's all about what you've been saved from. Once you understand what you've been saved from and who you've been saved to, you got to understand that. It's what you've been saved from and what you've been saved to. Once you begin to just not intellectually understand that, but your heart begins to wrap around it, your heart begins to sink with it, you understand understand the depths that God went, the depths that God went to give His only Son, the depths that God went to sacrifice His most precious Son. Why would anyone who professes Jesus, if they really understand that, keep playing games with God? It doesn't even make any logical sense. Other than this, perhaps those don't really understand their rescue. See, you're justified and now you're on a plane of sanctification. It's ongoing change, becoming more like Christ. And part of this is aiming. You've got to remember this. All of these things are aiming 
from the salvation. He's writing to believers. Peter is, and he's saying, look, as I'm writing to these believers, he's saying, look, you need to supplement your faith. Just don't get saved and sit down. No, get saved and go on mission. And he's saying, in order for you to do that, God doesn't, and praise God he doesn't do this, amen? Aren't you glad that God doesn't go, put your name in there, hey, I'm going to save you, I'm going to redeem you, it's going to be real, it's going to be true, and oh, by the way, as I'm saving you, you know what, good luck for the rest of your life waging war against sin, good luck. Aren't you glad that in the midst today of whatever you struggle with, what I struggle with, and we all have it, we can pretend like we don't, but we're only lying to ourselves? Every one of us has something we're dealing with. There's a struggle. What? Because it's sanctification. The whole point is it's about removing and refining and purifying that we become more like Christ. We go from justification, declared righteous, sanctification, ongoing change while we're here on this earth. And the moment for the true believer, the very moment for the true believer that you enter into eternity, you now become glorified. You're just like Jesus. That's an amen moment, isn't it? And how many people understand that simple premise? It'll change everything about your walk. When you understand what you've been saved from, you've been justified, that He declares you righteous. I'm not righteous. (laughs) I know I'm not righteous. But by the blood of Jesus Christ, I've been made righteous for you. You put your name in there. For you that are truly redeemed today in this room, I pray that you just plead that and you plead that every day. God, I bring nothing to the table but my sin. That's all I bring. Through humility and contrition, I bring it to you today. And and He now imputes that righteousness to you. You are now a child of the King. You are a son and daughter. You are adopted into the family when it's real. And when it's real, you will begin to live that life of sanctification. And I'll tell you what, man, when we get to heaven, praise Jesus for glorification. Amen? So what do we do while we're here? Do we just like a lot of people, even on this Sunday? Man, Resurrection Sunday was amazing. All right. Glad we got that over with. See you on Christmas, Jesus. Or do we go, you know what? I'm going to live for the King every day. And I want to make a difference. And I want to love His bride, the church, because He's coming back for His church. Do we do something in this process is the question. Well, we already learned from two weeks ago, or three weeks ago, rather, what we're to do. And now today we learn three things. Number one is self-control. Key number one, write this down in your notes. Key number one. When the faith I profess is genuine, very key, by the enabling of the Holy Spirit, mission critical, I will make every effort to live a life of self-control. Let me say this again. There's two premises here on the front end of this. Don't miss this. When the faith I profess is genuine, it's real, so it's got to be real first. By the enabling of the Holy Spirit, not self-effort, I will make every effort to live a life of self-control. You could give the definition like this, church. Self-control is when a person masters a passion or desire in your life. One of my friends has now um, helped me enter the world of outrageous candy bars. And for you that know what an outrageous candy bar is, number one, you'd understand that it is truly outrageous. They weren't lying. Number two, I need some self-control. Why? Because there's a desire there. I don't know where you are on that spectrum today, but what is it in your life today that 
perhaps is not food-related necessarily, or maybe it is, but maybe it's something more spiritual that the Lord is saying to you and to me today that, that by His power, as we truly have a genuine conversion, a regeneration in Christ, that, that we will bring X, fill in the blank, into submission. One of the thoughts that I wrote down here, it was a question, and I wrote this down. Actually, I wrote down two things. Here they are. Are our fleshly desires under control, or is the reality they're out of control? If we don't master our desires by the power of the Holy Spirit, hear that clearly, we'll become slaves and servants to our desires. Let me say that again. If we don't master our desires by the power of the Holy Spirit, we'll become servants and slaves to our desires. You've got to remember that self-control is a fruit of what? Not a trick question. Amen. Thank you. Yeah, the Holy Spirit, it's a fruit of the Spirit. So we can deduct, this is not deep theology here, if you've given your life to Christ, and it's real, it's true. Not a charade, but it's real, it's true. You've given your life to Jesus, you no longer own your life. The Holy Spirit comes and indwells that person. The Bible is very clear on this. As we now live in tandem, as we now walk according to the Spirit, the Bible says this, we will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. Well, let me say it one more time. As you walk according to the Spirit, the Bible says this. Not self-help, not the latest podcaster. The Bible says this. As you walk, as you live according to the Spirit, you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. So for me and you today, we all have desires of our flesh that we have to suppress. How are you, how am I doing today in suppressing by the power of the Holy Spirit those things that jockey for our attention, those things that are alluring, those things that maybe you're here today and you're in so much pain, there's been so much brokenness in your life, there's so much heartache, there's so much hurt, it's just easy to self-medicate, isn't it? And perhaps maybe you're self-medicating with an outrageous candy bar. I mean, it's easy to do those things, isn't it? Man, how many times you know, do you not feel well? You're kind of glum. Maybe you're a little discouraged. And you just, you just bust open a pack of Oreos. And before you know it, the whole thing's gone. Well, it was good going down, amen? Man, you felt horrible afterwards, though, didn't you? There's something about having self-control. And don't miss this. If we don't have self-control in the little things, how do you think we're going to have self-control in the big things? It's all a building process. I made a note as well, some verses that I pray will encourage you and challenge you as well. Write down Galatians chapter 5 in your notes, verses 22 through 23. Here's what it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, church, self-control. And against such things, there is no law. Think about Proverbs chapter 25, verse 28. This is so powerful. If you think self-control is not a big deal, read this verse. A man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. Well, what's the imagery here? Well, what do you guys know about history? Any history buffs in the room? History buffs? A couple of you guys, gals? Okay. So what do you know about in old times when they'd have a city, they would build walls around it? Any idea why they would do that? Well, it was defense. It was protection, wasn't it? That, that the city and its walls were the fortress. Do you see how important this is? Right here in the book of Proverbs, wisdom literature, it says this, that a man, a woman, it's a person who has no self-control. It's like a city that's broken down without any walls. What's going to happen to a city that doesn't have any walls? 
It's going to get decimated. People today are getting decimated. They think they're all in for Jesus. They don't have any self-control in their lives. And they're getting absolutely destroyed. And by the way, understand this. Sin and its consequences negatively, because there's negative consequences from sin, are never singular in nature. They're always corporate. In other words, this, when I sin and you sin, here's what happens. There's always collateral damage. Always. Always. Well, self-control, you know, I just, I just say whatever I want. Really? What does the Bible say about that? In a multitude of words, sin is not lacking. He who restrains his lips is wise. The Bible says this, that when you guard your mouth... That's the wellspring of life. I mean, over and over we could talk about the self-control, just not in a so often it gets regulated, just you know, sexual things. That's important. But so many times we we begin to justify, don't we? We rationalize and we justify. Well, the Bible says right here: a man without self-control, a person without self-control is like a city. That's broken into, left without walls. In other words, it's totally destroyed, utter destruction. You're listening to This Day in the Word, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. All of Pastor Couch's messages are archived and are free to download at thisdayministries.org. In addition, you can share your prayer requests with us via email. Our email address for prayer requests is prayer at thisdayministries.org. That's prayer at thisdayministries.org. And now, back to This Day in the Word with Pastor John Couch. But how do you take that thought and build it into a positive thought? Well, write down 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, He will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. And all God's people said, that's amen, isn't it? Aren't you glad that in the midst of the battle of self-control there, that is a fruit of the Spirit, but there's a war going on. Well, I pray we don't justify our lack of it. I pray we humbly submit and go, Lord, help me in this. Help me, Lord. Well, what else does the Bible say? We'll look at 6b, we'll call it. And self-control with steadfastness. So think through this again. This is all about, when you look in your Bible in front of you, think about this. The overarching theme right here, remember, it's all about supplementing your faith. So here we are today, and we're going to supplement, we're going to supply it. I want you to picture this, picture your faith, kind of picture your faith over here, just picture it, and you have a, a line, a pipeline that's running to your faith. And the Bible's saying, I want you to supplement, I want you to supply, I want you to nourish your faith. And what happens is so often we cut off our faith and our faith is not growing. We become hard-hearted. We just sit. Our arms are crossed and we don't want to listen. But our heart, our countenance is showing. Our countenance is showing. Our hearts are getting hard. We're growing harder and calloused. Just calloused. And the Bible says with this self-control, add a second component, which is steadfastness. It's perseverance. It's perseverance with a steely resolve. It's perseverance that's refusing to quit. It's, it's a perseverance, especially in the context right here as you look in your Bible, the context of having the self-control in the midst of temptation. I mean, you got to remember the enemy is like, okay, you're heading over here towards Christ. So often what the enemy does to me and you is he doesn't necessarily send us all the way over here. Often what he does is he sends us just right over here. Let me just get you over here, John. Just enough off base that you're missing Jesus. And for the true believer, you're like, you know what? I want to be steadfast. I want to hunger. I want to thirst. I want to be in this. 
And I've seen this over the years happen over and over, more times than I can count. If you are being fed God's Word, if you're pursuing holiness, if you're under His glory, if you're submitting to Him, if there's obedience that's on your horizon, if you're pleading the blood of righteousness, why on earth in anyone's right mind would they want to get out from under that? It doesn't make any sense. Other than this, man, the enemy's working. That's what the enemy does. It's not working for you. It's offending you. Your flesh is convicted. Let's make up an excuse. Make an excuse. Don't want to admit the truth. Let's make an excuse. Let's get out from under it. I'm telling you, church, I'm telling you. <laughs> Hear the Bible. The path is wide that leads to destruction. There are going to be so many people that think they're in. They're not. They're not. And all my heart breaks. Because here's the deal when you're really in, you will want scripture and you want Bible and you will want substance. You will crave it. You will hunger it. It will be your life. And you'll be steadfast in the midst of it. Key number two, write this down, make it personal. When the faith I profess is genuine, there it is again, it's real. By the enabling of the Holy Spirit, not our own, I will make every effort to live a life of steadfastness. Have you ever thought about this? That anyone ever have been through just a real struggle in your life? Anyone? A couple of us? The thought occurred to me recently that for the person who is willing to learn, the person that has an open heart, and and they're humble, and they're contrite, have you ever thought about this? There's a lot you can learn about Jesus on the way down. Oh, yeah. And when your life's falling apart, and you're the only one standing for the gospel of Jesus, there's a lot you can learn on the way down. That's why the furnace of suffering in the midst of, whether it be temptation here, whether it be standing for the gospel in the midst of your family or at work, or maybe in the midst of even your church and you're standing for truth and the gospel, the reality is this, the furnace of suffering is a great, great tutor. I know diamonds are a girl's best friend. At least that's what I'm told. But do we ever really think about how they're created? Diamonds, that is. I remember years ago, I walked into a jewelry store. Well, this was a while ago. That was a while ago. And I remember walking in there... I didn't know what I was doing. That's usually kind of the case. <laughs> You're kind of like, hey, this sounds like a great idea. Right? Kind of a young guy and had some hair. And you go, hey, let me, let me see that one right there. Of course, they, they pull out the ring and they always lay it on that black velvet, don't they? Why? Because it glistens. I mean, if you think you wanted it when it was inside the case, now you really want it. And I can remember seeing that, and I thought, yep, this is the one right here. Definitely in the budget, and this is the one, amen? And, and it just glistened. I can remember that day very vividly in my mind, that this is the one, and, and this is the one I'm going to give to my bride, and this is going to be so glorious, and just what an amazing day this is. And two thoughts occurred to me as I was thinking back on that even recently here. Number one, how, how was it formed? How was the diamond made? Did it just end up there in the jewelry case one day, just poof? Well, no, it, it was this lump. And it took a lot of heat and pressure and time 
to go from a lump of just nothing, so to speak, a, a lump of worthlessness, if you will, to this glorious diamond. What a great illustration of sanctification. But we start out as this lump, don't we? We're just kind of like, man, I'm all in for Jesus. We don't know what we're doing often, but we're just like, we're going to stumble towards Christ and we're going to keep running hard after His glory. And, and sure enough, just time after time and moment after moment, as we head towards glorification, and on that day, we will be a sparkling diamond spiritually. But I also remembered that when I was on that black backdrop, oh, how it reminds me that something so glorious shines so brightly most on the dark backdrop of life. You today, you that are discouraged, you that are struggling, you that don't know what to do next as you've given your life to Christ, or if you haven't, you'll do it today. I pray that you'll turn your life completely over to Jesus and you'll say, Lord, Lord take my life and take the darkness that it is and, and move me from darkness to light. Move me from death to life. Move me from the power of Satan to the power of you. Oh God, do that redemptive work that we talk about on Easter, but help me to begin to live it every day of my life because for the true believer, every day is Easter, amen? First Corinthians says it like this. Chapter 15, verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast. There it is, that word. Be immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Let me read that one more time. Therefore, this is 1 Corinthians 15. We talked about it last week regarding the resurrection of Jesus. It's verse 58. Therefore, in light of those previous 57 verses, my beloved brothers, be steadfast. It's a command, not a suggestion. Be steadfast. Have this patience with a steely resolve in the midst of the trials, in the midst of the suffering. Maybe you're today just wanting to quit. And your hand is just like on top of the done button. I don't want to do this any longer. I'm just tired. I'm exhausted. Don't quit. Stay in the race. Keep running the race for Jesus. Keep surrendering more and more of your will. Keep cultivating by the power of the Holy Spirit a heart of humility. Guard your heart tenaciously. Don't allow it to become calloused or hardened, but God, guard it just tenaciously that it will be soft and tender. Knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Well, you talk about a lie from the pit of hell that the enemy would want you to believe today, whether it be your, your family, maybe your own life, your business, your ball team, your church. One of the lies of the enemy is hey, look, man, we know you talk about this Jesus guy. Man, I understand that, you know, you've talked about him for years now, but, but you know what? You're not making any difference. Man, why don't you just throw in the towel? Go do something else. That's a lie from the pit of hell. You know how I know this? Because right here in God's Word, the truth, it says this. Be steadfast. Don't bend. Don't buckle. Don't break. Be immovable. Anchor your feet in concrete spiritually. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Knowing. Not feeling. Our feelings will betray us all day long, but when we know, don't tell me what you feel, tell me what you know. Get back to the Bible. What does the Bible say? Not what I think it says. What does the Bible say? Knowing that what, right there it is, I love this, I pray this encourages your heart. Knowing confidently is what that means, that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Because James 1.12 says it like this, blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, did you catch that? Let me read this one more time, make sure this is sinking in. Blessed, content is the man who remains with a steely resolve of perseverance under trial, in persecution, standing for the gospel, 
When everyone's pushing against him, he stands tall, she stands tall. For when, not if, but for when he, she, the person has stood the test, they will receive, he will receive, she will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Church, here's the deal. There's coming a day that, that when you will stand face to face with Jesus, I'm just telling you right now, there's no way you can get around this, but every person in this room, myself at the top of the list, will stand face to face with Jesus. I pray that as you look towards that day, I pray, number one, you're looking forward to that day. I pray you're looking forward to the day that you stand in the presence of King Jesus and you take your sanctification to the next level. You now become glorified in his presence. I pray, even right now as I'm talking, I pray by the power of the Holy Spirit that as you look towards that day, as you long towards that day, I pray, oh God, that they, that the people in front of me would understand this, that as they serve you, as they labor for you, as they get kicked in the teeth, as they get rejected, as people, even close friends go, we don't want any more that stuff anymore. As they stand tall for the gospel, God, I pray, oh God, I pray that they would not grow weary and they would not lose heart because our God is faithful and He's able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we ever hoped, dreamed, or imagined. Amen? That's how great our God is. And they'll receive the crown of life which God has promised. Thirdly and lastly, and with steadfastness, godliness. Godliness. It simply means this, holiness. Very interesting that when you read this, and I'll read the verse again, and I pray you open your Bible if it's closed and look at it with me. Verse 6, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness. Now, go back for a minute because I want to make sure we understand this. Verse 5, for this very reason, verse 5, make every effort. How many efforts are excluded from every effort? Not too many. Make every effort to supplement your faith with, and here comes the cycle, with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with what? Here we are, with self-control, and self-control with what? Here we are, steadfastness, and steadfastness with what? Here we are, with godliness, with His holiness. Do you see this? We are building on these elements that we are commanded, not suggested, to supplement our faith with. When you think about this holiness, there's all kinds of talk on this, but it simply means this, to pursue who God is. That's what it means. When you look at the Greek language there, that's what it means, to pursue who God is. Well, I can't pursue who God is when I'm still living in sin that's unrepented of. There has to be a constant ongoing confession in my life and in your life that we're confessing sin, where we're drawing closer to Him as we confess the sin. The Bible says this, that here's what God does. This is so glorious. The Bible says, not me, the Bible says this, that God is faithful and just to do what? To forgive our sin as we confess Him and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I don't know about you, but that's a glorious statement, Amen. That you today who've given your life to Jesus, if it's real and it's true, your life is completely cleansed, your life is completely forgiven as you go to the Father and say, God, I need you to forgive me. That's part of holiness. Well, part of asking for forgiveness is humility. I hope you see the dots that are being connected here because key number three says it like this. When the faith I profess is genuine by the enabling of the Holy Spirit, I will make every effort to live a life of godliness. Key number three, write it down. When the faith I profess is genuine by the enabling of the Holy Spirit, I will make every effort to live a life of godliness. If you and I do not pursue godliness and holiness on purpose, it won't happen. The whole point of this supplementing is that we do something. That's the whole point. 
It's like anything else in life. If you're, you know, if your hobby and whatever your hobby is, you like to fish or you like to play golf or whatever it is, the more you practice those things, the more that you have a habit, prayerfully, your golf game gets better. Now, I know there's exceptions. I get this. But prayerfully, the more you do something, the better you get at it. Again, this is not for salvation. This is where you get pushback from this so often. Well, we don't need to do anything because we don't add anything to our salvation. Amen. This is not for salvation. This is from salvation. And this is where people go off the rails. I've seen this happen for decades now. Well, I don't got to do anything. Really? Which Bible are you reading? Like, which Bible? I mean, there's one Bible, and the Bible is very clear that, that when my life is no longer my own, I won't have to be told to do this stuff. I want to do this stuff. That the people that are saying, don't tell me, I'll go somewhere else where it's more happy. Oh, man, I fear for them. That doesn't understand the gospel. How on earth? How on earth? Could you really understand the treasure trove of the gospel of Jesus Christ and go, I don't want any of that? It doesn't make any sense. And yet, when we live for godliness and we want to pursue it, the Bible is so clear that right here in 1 Timothy 4.8, 1 Timothy 4.8, for while bodily training is of some value, Godliness is of value in every way. Did you catch this? I mean, write that one down. Let me say this one more time. 1 Timothy 4.8, for while bodily training is of some value, godliness, holiness is of value in every way. As it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Wow. That's why 1 Timothy 6 6 says it like this. Now there is great gain in godliness with contentment. One translation says it like this. Now with what? Godliness, there is contentment, which is great gain. Do you see that? It's all an outflow. When, when you and I are pursuing the Lord and we're pursuing his attributes, who God is, his holiness, there's going to be a contentment in our lives. So many people are discontent in life today for one simple fact they're not pursuing who God is. And they're constantly searching. They're constantly searching. Well, if I just get this, if I just get my name on the door, if I just get my name on the website, if I whatever, fill in the blank, I'll finally have what I've been looking for. No, you won't. The only time you'll have what you're looking for is when you give your life to Jesus. Anything outside of Jesus will leave you to a pit of despair over and over and over and over and over. Question. I want you to think for a moment on when you professed that you gave your life to Christ. Just think back to that moment. Like right now, get it in your mind's eye. How have you grown spiritually and become more like Jesus since that day? Sobering question, isn't it? If God tells us in His words that we're to become like Jesus, which He does, and yet we say, boy, these years ago, man, this is when I did the deal. And as we sit here perhaps today answering that question going, I haven't grown, I've actually regressed. If that's you here today, let me give you some encouragement. If that's you here today, the one thing the enemy wants you to do is to throw in the towel. But what is, was once said, failure in itself is not the issue. It's what you do next that matters. 
See, perhaps for some of you that are answering that question, and maybe the Lord is speaking to your life in a powerful way right now. He's got a hold of you. Like right now, He's got a hold of you. And you're at a crossroads in your life. And where, where do I go? Which direction do I go? And do I just continue down this path of regression? Or do I go, you know what? Man, today's my day. Today's my day that I'm, I'm going to be all in. See, it's so easy to talk about the things of the Lord, but it's much harder to actually live and obey the things of the Lord. We talk about holiness and obedience and righteousness and all the things that are important to your pastor, by the way. Like these are what's, if you want to know what presses my buttons, like, like help me, come alongside me, come alongside me today and go, man, man, we're all in for holiness, man, uh, obedience, we're there, man, we want to go reach the, the, the community, I mean, come alongside me, if you want to get me excited and energize me. And so often what do we do across American churches? We, we focus on stuff that doesn't matter, like it has nothing to do with eternity. If that's you here today, you know what? You can choose today to turn. You can choose today to say, you know what? I'm going to get this straightened out. Don't continue, if that's you here today, don't continue living a life of unfulfillment, a life that's not on purpose, a life of just keep searching and searching and searching. Don't live that way. It's miserable. It's exhausting. But live a life today saying, God, I, I want to give you my life and I want to truly surrender it to you and I want to supplement my faith. And how am I going to do that? I'm going to do that with self-control by the power of the Holy Spirit. How am I going to do that by the power of the Holy Spirit with a steadfastness, with a perseverance that especially in the midst of the struggles of temptation, especially in the midst that when people come against me for standing for the gospel, I'm going to have a steely resolve. How do I do that? Oh, here it is. I'm going to come alongside the Holy Spirit as He leads me and enables me with a pursuit of God in this holiness, I'm going to discover who God is. I'm going to become more like Jesus, and I'm going to live a life that prayerfully, all the days of my life, even though it's not perfect, I will live a life that when I stand in front of Jesus on that day, that he will declare, welcome into my presence. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your rest. I don't know about you, but when I cross that finish line, I don't want to cross it with a spiritual outfit on that's neatly pressed. No, I want to cross that finish line with armor that's got fiery darts all in it. And just reaching people for the gospel. Just grabbing ankles. Teaching truth. Preaching truth. Sure, you get pushed back. That's part of the gospel. It's part of it. You, just, you declare the truth of the gospel and you just, God, I've got to reach more people for Jesus. Man, I pray that's you today. I pray that's you. you know, I'm not a preacher. You don't have to be. I pray that's you that you're going to start grabbing ankles for Jesus. Everything you do, everywhere you go, every conversation at the gas station, the grocery store, that you begin to ooze the Scripture. When they cut you, you bleed Jesus. Oh, I pray today that God will do a work in this place that only He can do. We can't manufacture a work, but if we're not careful, we can quench and grieve the work. And so I pray today that I and you will surrender all to Christ. Amen. Well, Father, we come before You, and Lord, as we lift up our hearts, we're living in troubling days. Lord, I pray that You take this group here, that You would pour into them a desire for self-control, a steely resolve to persevere, and just a desperation to pursue holiness. So God, as you do this work in our hearts all over this room today, Lord, we know that this type of message and teaching is not a popular one. But you haven't called us to be popular. You've called us to be holy. And so Father, I pray you'd raise up many, even inside these walls, that would have a new focus What's important might be the question. What's important internally? 
Lord, help us to begin to recalibrate and focus on what really matters. Because you're going to hold us accountable, God. So, Lord, for those that have given their life to you in this room, and it's true and it's real, God, I pray that you would just continue to refine and encourage those people. Lord, for those in the room that have never truly given their life to you, God, I pray even right now in this moment of reflection, would you speak to those hearts? God, I pray they would not leave here today somehow thinking that one of these days I'll get this straightened out. Lord, what if one of these days never comes? Oh, Holy Spirit, will you move all over this room? Don't allow us to quench nor grieve your spirit. But I pray there'll be a humble, joyful submission by myself and everyone in this room today. God, help us to understand what's at stake here. Every person, every friend, every coworker, every child, every parent, every relative that does not give their life to Jesus according to the Scriptures will be eternally separated from You, God, forever. So God, I pray there'll be a profound seriousness. Not what am I not getting, but we'll start asking, what am I not giving? Lord, I pray we give our lives to You first and foremost and all that we do. Total surrender, totally abandoning the selfish will and our plans and our agenda and our insecurities and our pridefulness. We just surrender all that, God. And for those that are resisting surrendering those things to You, God, Holy Spirit, I pray You'd break the hard heart. Crush the brazen forehead. Move in power, God. Because you oppose the proud. You go to war against the proud. But you give grace to the humble. Don't allow us to build a wall of enmity between you and ourselves, God. But I pray today will be a new day, a new beginning. That someone in the room, I pray one person, God, I'm asking for one person, just one person as I'm asking for, man or woman, student or child, that will not say they're all in for you, that they will begin to live it. All in. I'm going to suffer the consequences. Well, that's my prayer all over this room. My prayer is that everyone would do this, but God, I want to ask at least for one person that would be bold enough and courageous enough to say, I'm all in. Even if it costs me my life, physically, I'm all in. Oh, Lord, do I work. Do I work. Bring the revival. Bring the awakening. Bring the reformation. Bring the revolution, God. Don't allow us to block what you're trying to do. No, God, we'll give you the praise. And we'll give you the glory. Because, God, I know this, and I confess this. I got nothing, God. I got a big bag of nothing for you except my sin. And yet, God, through Jesus, you got everything for us. Oh, move in power in this time. I pray against the schemes of the enemy and anything he's trying to do at this moment. Holy Spirit, you rule and reign in this place. And we pray this all in the mighty in the matchless name of the risen Savior, King Jesus, and all God's people said, Amen. 
You've been listening to This Day in the Word, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. Don't forget that all of these messages are archived and are free to download at thisdayministries.org. That's thisdayministries.org. In addition, if you have been blessed by the teaching of God's Word during This Day in the Word, we would love to hear from you. Our email address is info at thisdayministries.org. Thanks again for listening as we strive to honor Christ and impact our world as we spend this day in the Word.